From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns will continue this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. When a person is dear, everything connected with him becomes dear for his sake. Thus, so precious is the person of the Lord Jesus in the estimation of all true believers, that everything about him they consider to be inestimable beyond all price. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, said David, as if the very vestments of the Saviour were so sweetened by his person that he could not but love them. Certain it is that there is not a spot where that hallowed foot hath trodden. There is not a word which those blessed lips have uttered, nor a thought which his loving word has revealed, which is not to us precious beyond all price. And this is true of the names of Christ. They are all sweet in the believer's ear. Whether he be called the husband of the church, her bridegroom, her friend, whether he be styled the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the king, the prophet, or the priest, every title of our master, Shiloh, Emmanuel, Wonderful, the Mighty Counselor, every name is like the honeycomb dropping with honey, and luscious are the drops that distill from it. But if there be one name sweeter than another in the believer's ear, it is the name of Jesus. Jesus. It is the name which moves the harps of heaven to melody. Jesus, the life of all our joys. If there be one name more charming, more precious than another, it is this name. It is woven into the very warp and woof of our psalmody. Many of our hymns begin with it, and scarcely any that are worth anything end without it. It is the total of all delights. It is the music with which the bells of heaven ring, a song in a word, an ocean for comprehension, although a drop for brevity, a matchless oratorio in two syllables, a gathering up of the hallelujahs of eternity in five letters. Jesus, I love thy charming name. Tis music to mine ear. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's 
praise the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Master and my God assist me to proclaim, to spread throughout the earth abroad the honors of your name. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease, tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the If you have been blessed by the beautiful sacred music which forms a part of Let the Bible Speak, you may obtain a CD containing a sampling of these Christ-honoring selections. Entitled, Our Great Redeemer's Praise, this CD will provide you with nearly an hour of such beloved pieces as Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, Be Still, My Soul, May the Mind of Christ My Savior, and In Heavenly Love Abiding. These songs are performed by the various musical groups of Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. This CD is available free of charge to our Let the Bible Speak listeners. To obtain a copy, you may contact us by email, by telephone, or by regular mail. You may call 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Ask for your free copy of Our Great Redeemer's Praise, Call or write for your copy today.
On today's broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues to present seven essential views of Christ. As Jesus gathered his disciples around him in Caesarea Philippi, he asked them who the people thought he was. The answers included many superstitious and fanciful ideas about Christ. Peter's confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God, is the only correct response. The first view of Christ is that he is the Christ. He is not one of many, for Jesus is the only Savior of sinners. The second view is that he is the Son of God. This refers to his eternal deity. He is the second person of the Trinity, equal in power and majesty to God the Father and to the Holy Spirit. Any view that would detract from that is not of God. Now here is Dr. Cairns to bring the next portion of this message, Seven Essential Views of Christ. You remember how the Lord Jesus started his ministry? And I'm not going to say anything about this text because we studied it a long time back. Remember how he started his ministry? Quoting Isaiah chapter 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. That's why he came. He is the anointed messenger. And what sets him apart from every other prophet is that he was not only the messenger, he was the message. And that's why when he came, unlike all the other prophets, through, and you'll find this uh, in a string of references through John's gospel, he not only came telling what God is and what God says and what God does, but he came with that wonderful phrase constantly on his lips that spoke volumes to every Jew, where he said, I am reaching back into Old Testament revelation and taking the essential name of God and the great revelation with which he had shown Moses his person. I am that I am, he said to Moses, reaching back and taking that out of history and applying it to himself. The Lord Jesus identified himself not only as the messenger, but as the message, the great prophet, the revealer of God the Redeemer of his people. He's the priest. And as we'll see as we go through this portion, not only the priest making a sacrifice, but the sacrifice itself that's made. He's the ruler or the king. This is the testimony of the title of the Christ, the one appointed by the Father, anointed by the Father, acknowledged by the Father when he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, attested by the Father for the works that he, Jesus did. He said he did by the finger of God and by the power of the Father. And thank God, accepted by his people. In many ways, you know, the sum of the whole Christian faith comes down to this. Jesus is the Christ. In many ways, that's the summation of the whole Christian faith. Now, I'm not saying that saving faith is merely being able to mouth that. There are people who will mouth that without any corresponding reality of trust in Christ in their heart. But I am saying that there can be no saving trust in Christ apart from that confession and conviction 
Jesus is the Christ. He is the revealer. Now let me kneel this. He is the revealer. And this is the record of that revelation. Outside of Jesus Christ and in addition to Jesus Christ, there is no revelation. Christianity allows no place for the Mohammeds of this world. He is not the revealer of God or the Joseph Smiths of this world. No matter how many temples the Mormons build, he is not a revealer of God. Jesus Christ is the prophet. He is the revealer and the revelation. He is the only redeemer of God's elect. He is not one of the ways to God, one of the hopes of mankind. He is the Savior of the world, beside whom there is none else. For as Acts 4.12 says in the words of Peter, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Martin Lloyd-Jones, entitled A Great Sermon in Acts 4.12, no second name. That puts it beautifully. No second name. Jesus is the Christ. Now let me back up to the question the Lord Jesus asked that elicited this response from Peter. Whom do you say that I am? Are you convinced of this? Or is this simply just a theological point that has been made by others down through the centuries. You've grown up hearing it. The words Jesus Christ trip off your tongue just as easily as telling the time of day and with as little thought. I mean, what does this mean to you? The Lord Jesus is saying, what do you say about me? Peter could say, thou art the Christ. But what do you say about me? How does this resonate in your heart? You know, you cannot possibly say this as a conviction, as an expression of the soul. You cannot possibly say before God, Jesus is the Christ, and stand back unconcerned, uncommitted, unconsecrated. It's impossible. Understanding what's in this term, understanding what's in this title, to say Jesus is the Christ is the ultimate expression of the denial of self and all hope in self. It is the giving up of every other God, every other Redeemer, every other Gospel, every other message, every other pursuit. It is saying he is the Christ. He is the anointed of God. He comes with the spirit of God. He comes with the word of God. He comes with the light of God. He comes to bring me to God. And I embrace him. That's what it means. Whom say ye that I am? Whom say ye that I am? Am I this to you? Am I? 
I can't read men's hearts. But I fear, and I have solid biblical basis for my fear, that the churches of Christendom are populated by millions of people who can mouth the words, and there is no heart reality to their confession. Thou art the Christ. Peter went on to say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ emphasizes his official position in the covenant of grace. It sees him as the anointed one. By the very term prophet, priest, and king, you are seeing he is God's servant. That speaks of Christ's humility and Christ's humanity. He is a man. And that's a very, very important part of the gospel. He is a man. But though he is a man, he is not a mere man. He is not only a man. And hence this title, the Son of the Living God. Now this, contrary to what some uh, modern commentators and some not-so-modern commentators have to say, this is not a designation of his official position. There are people who say that the only begotten Son is a, a statement of his position in this world as the servant of the Lord coming to do the Lord's work. That is not so. The Christ... Ah, yes, that's his official position. But the Son of the living God, the only begotten of the Father, that is a designation of his eternal deity. You remember the words of Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 concerning the son, the child who's born in the manger, whose goings forth, whose issuings have been from of old, from everlasting. And while it is no doubt true that he was expounded and went forth in the words of the prophets and in the pictures of the types and symbols, I think Dr. Shedd, the great American Presbyterian theologian, was right in taking this away beyond time, from everlasting, reaches out into eternity, and the goings forth... What in theological terms is called the eternal generation of the Son? What is indicated by uh, the Greek word that is translated throughout the Gospels as the only begotten Son? His issuings are from all eternity. Now here we get into a mystery that I cannot penetrate, and I'm very glad I cannot penetrate. I keep quoting Dr. Paisley's words, if I could understand the Trinity, the Trinity would no longer be a Trinity, it would be a quartet. I cannot comprehend the Trinity. But I want to tell you something. You cannot be a Christian and deny the Trinity. It is an essential Christian doctrine. It is at the heart of the revelation of God. Jesus Christ is not the Father. The Son is not the Father. 
Neither the Father nor the Son is the Spirit. The Spirit is neither the Son nor the Father. And yet the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one indivisible divine essence, one God in the trinity of the sacred persons. That's the biblical revelation. Somebody tried to put it in mathematical terms to make a mockery of the doctrine of the Trinity. They're saying, you say one plus one plus one is one. One plus one plus one is three. So if you believe in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you believe in three gods. Well, if you want to be mathematical, why do you put a plus sign in? Because plus has no meaning when applied to the essence of God. You can neither add to nor detract from the essence or the perfections of deity. Plus has no meaning. But even my limited math found out that one multiplied by one multiplied by one is one. And I also find out that one divided by one, divided by one, divided by one, is one. If you want that in philosophical or theological terms, infinity is indivisible. Infinity is indivisible. There is no such thing as a third part of infinity. God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And he essentially, necessarily, and eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why do I emphasize this? Because it was God, the Son, who became the Christ the anointed one. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, or in his Son. Here is the full light of God's revelation to men, the Christ is the Son of the living God. Now let me ask you again, what have you to say about that? You see, this is not just esoteric doctrine. What do you have to say about that? Jesus is penetrating the conscience and he's saying, whom do you say that I am? Do you say with Peter, Thou art the Christ, Thou art the Son of the living God? Now stop and think, man. Stop and think. Are you really saying that? Peter was looking at a man of a given height and weight. He was looking at a man. And he said, Thou art the Son of God. God manifested to me in the flesh. 
true God and true man, the Christ, the anointed, the Savior, the Redeemer. That's who you are. And Jesus said, Peter, you're right. That's the revelation of God to you. Now, do you understand this? Once Peter said that, once he said that, once he believed that, once he was convinced of that, what could he do? Could he dismiss him? Could he say, I will think no more about him than I do of Nicodemus? No. Could he say, I'll go back to my fishing and forget I ever met him? Could he say, I'll worship him on Sunday and the rest of the week I'll go and forget him? No, listen, once he came to that, thou art the Christ, thou art the Son of the living God. Listen, that was a total life-changing and life-governing confession. Because once I come to the absolute conviction, this is the Son of God, that takes absolute total, irreversible control of my heart. It has to. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpc.org fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. (music) 